Sweet. So actually, you know what? I'm going to read this whole text this morning. We'll start by doing that. <clears throat> John chapter 10, starting in verse 1, it says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought, brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life, that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not in this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice so there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. Verse 19, there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said he has a demon and he is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So great text, isn't that a good text? A classic, a classic one, the story of Jesus revealing himself as the good shepherd we see here in this text too of uh, the, the seven I am statements of Jesus. I am the door, I am the good shepherd that are recorded in John's gospel. And you know, when I read this uh, passage of scripture and I imagine the context, the context of a shepherd with his sheep, it's pretty foreign to me. I don't know about you, but like, you know, you hear these stories about shepherds and, and their sheep in church, but like, who's kidding who? This is the west coast of Canada on the ocean, and to some extent, we can grasp the metaphor of a sheep, the sheep with their shepherd, Jesus being the good shepherd, but we don't live in like a rural, agricultural, Middle Eastern setting or place, which is the backdrop and the setting of this text. And so I want to just talk a little bit about that because, you know, many of the, the greatest of God's people in the scriptures served their apprenticeships or served um, their families in herding sheep. It goes all the way back to the oldest book in the Bible. The book, the book of Job is the oldest book. And Job was a man who the scripture tells us had 14,000 sheep. Can you imagine that? 
That's like, you know, almost half the population of the Sunshine Coast in sheep. The scripture tells us, like, it was just, that was the culture of the day and time. The scripture tells us about Solomon, that after he had built the temple and he was making a sacrifice to God, he himself offered, this is crazy, 120,000 sheep in a sacrifice to God. Now that just blows my mind. I don't think I've seen 120,000 sheep in my lifetime, let alone something as bloody and as gory as that. But you know, lots of the prominent characters in scripture were shepherds. Abraham was a shepherd. He owned sheep. Two of the most prominent leaders in the Old Testament, Moses, shepherd. King David, shepherd. The prophets Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, and Zechariah, they all drew analogies in their prophecies and in their teaching. They would use the analogy and the metaphor and the, the picture of a shepherd with their sheep. And, and talking, in, talking in Israel and in that context and in that culture about a sheep with a shepherd is like talking with Albertans about oil and beef and the prairies and like talking about BC people about forestry and fishing and Ontario, well, I don't know what Ontario people talk about. <laughs> Who would want to live there? Well, welcome, welcome all our guests from Ontario. But this was an analogy and a picture to which the culture and the people could relate. And, and shepherding in the Middle East is not even like what we would imagine in the context of North America or in Canada or in the West here and how we would think about raising sheep. You know, I, I went at one point in time many years ago and, and stayed with my good buddy Al and we went back to his parents' farm and his dad had sheep. And I'm like, oh, cool. And, and I saw how they were raising these sheep. You know, they, 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 had a, they were out to graze during the day and then at night they went into the barn and they, they had a dog that was uh, really good at herding those things and there was nothing dangerous about raising, raising sheep at their farm. You know, it, it took a little bit of skill but their family just like, got some books out of the library and they'd never farmed before and now we go on the web and just boom, you research it and okay, let's, let's, let's do this. We can get away with that here in Canada. There's water available. There's, there's fields and grass available to, to graze the animals and a little bit of research and you can probably pull it off. But we got to wipe those images out of our mind because that is not the context of what we're speaking about. We're talking about the Middle East here and and so let's get the picture of first century Israel because things are a little different there. There's more danger on the job. Let me remind you of David. David was skilled with the sling. What did he kill in defending his sheep? He killed the lion and the bear. That's what, what the scripture tells us. And the shepherd had to do this. He had to have skill to read the weather and know the seasons and to take those sheep and to lead them uh, to, to places where they could graze and find green grass and in the heat. And, you know, it's interesting, as I was uh, studying this passage, I found out something about sheep, that sheep are animals that cannot drink from rushing, moving water. Because of the way they're physiologically designed, their, their, their nose and their mouth, they, they will choke if they get rushing, moving water. And I don't think they swim too well. And so they've got to be led to still water. Quiet, quiet waters. And so the, the shepherd has to be able to lead them. That's why the, the 23rd Psalm tells us that the Lord leads us to what kind of water? Still water. He leads us to green pastures. 
And the shepherd in, in the Middle East can't abandon the sheep to the field, just leave them there alone. He's got to lead them. He's got to take them to green pastures. And he, and he doesn't drive them. They're not cattle. <laughs> There's no whip involved. There's no dog involved even in that culture. He, he leads them and he takes them to green pastures and still waters and leads them to where they need to rest and he recognizes when they need to rest and the, and the heat and he takes them to places where they can lie down and he knows when it's time to move on and he understands the land and the weather. And so that's some of the cultural context of this passage. But it's interesting too to consider some of the biblical context of this passage because you know we've been going through John, it's, it's really fascinating gospel. And if we were to go back to John chapter eight, we read this amazing story that is well known about the Pharisees and a time when they brought to Jesus when they were trying to trap him and catch him. And so they found a woman, she was caught in adultery and they brought her to Jesus and they identified her. They basically said this, she's a black sheep. She needs to die. This one needs to be put down. It's a terrible thing to think. And they wanted her destroyed. Stoned that woman to death, this woman caught in adultery. And as we saw when we were in John chapter 8, you can go back and listen to that message on, our, on, our, on the website. That was not the heart of God's shepherd, Jesus. In John chapter 9, we read about a blind man, a blind, think of a blind sheep. What do you do if a, if a sheep is blind? Well, what did, what did the Pharisees do? They cast that man out, remember? We saw that two weeks ago. They, they cast him out of the synagogue. Jesus healed him and opened his eyes and, and he could see and he identified that Jesus was who he claimed to be. So they cast out another sheep that was imperfect for them. And those are examples of bad shepherding. And it's against that context of these stories that the Holy Spirit through the Apostle John tells us the, the account of Jesus who said, I'm the door for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. And, and obviously he meant to imply that there was some bad shepherding going on. And John tells us some stories to see that of those who, who needed help and weren't getting help. And so Jesus was there. And so it's interesting when we read this, they say this about John's gospel. Now, this is something I didn't know. It's, it's interesting that this is really the only parable in John's gospel. Very interesting because the gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke rely on telling parables. They tell the stories that Jesus told. In fact, the ESV translation, the English Standard Version that you're reading, doesn't even call this a parable uh, the writers here translate it a figure of speech. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but it's a parable. And this is as close as John gets to telling the parables of Jesus because his gospel is very different. And so, you know, remember, remember King David? Remember there was a time when the prophet came to him and the prophet told him a parable. The prophet came to him and he said, David, there was this shepherd and this shepherd had a really large flock. He had everything he wanted. He had all the sheep he wanted. Anything that he could possibly want was his. He was wealthy. But one day he saw this shepherd who had a, one little lamb. And he saw that little lamb. And he wanted that lamb so badly that that shepherd had that, that he went. He took the lamb and he killed the shepherd. When he had all these 
cheap to himself. He took the one that that man had and he killed the man. And David was ripping mad. He heard that, he heard that story. He said, you bring that man. You get that man and you bring him to me and we're gonna, we're gonna set this right and we're gonna discipline that man. He was, he was furious. And the prophet turned the story on him and he said, David, you're the man. You're that man. God's given you everything. You're the king of the nation. Anything you could possibly want was yours. And what did you do? You went and took another man's wife. You took Bathsheba and you killed her husband, Uriah, so that you could have her. And, and David, it was the point that the Holy Spirit used to cut David's heart to realize what he had done and the sin he had entered into. The prophet told the story and it was like a knife cut through all of the defenses and the walls that David had built up and his conscience was stabbed again with the truth. And he came to the place of repentance before the Lord. And that's why, that's why the prophet used the parable and that's why Jesus used parables. They're meant to stab the conscience. They're, they're meant to cut through the defenses and the walls and so that we ask this question, oh, where am I in this story? Who am I in this story? Where's God in this story? A parable is meant to, to cause you to think about yourself and to lead you to a place of, of repentance and making sure you're right before God. And so in, in this context here, in, in the ESV translation, the parable is so short that it's called a, a figure of speech. And in it, Jesus paints the contrast between a, a good shepherd and a bad shepherd. And first he talks about the bad guys. Look at verse one. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Now in the context of that culture in the Middle East, Israel, first century, there were no barns for the sheep at night. And you can't leave them out in the field. That's dangerous. There's, there's wolves and there's lions and there's, there's bears. And so the shepherd would do this. He would take his sheep out to graze during the day and then at night he would lead them back to a sheepfold and, and typically a, a sheepfold was built with, built with stones, just a rock wall that could encirculate the sheep and it had one entrance into it that, that had a gate and the shepherd would lead his sheep at the end of the day into that sheepfold and not only him, often there would be multiple shepherds, four, five, six, I don't know, They'd bring their herds and they'd put them all into a sheepfold at night, close the gate, and one would be designated, he's the gatekeeper. You gotta look after the sheep. The rest of us, we're going home to get some rest. And so they would, they would do that. They would share the sheepfold and there would be a night watchman, the gatekeeper, and he would sit, he would sit there all night at, at the gate or he would sleep, he would lay down across the doorway so that no sheep could get past him and no one could get into the sheepfold to steal sheep or to kill them or whatever it was. Nobody got in except in the morning when the shepherds would come back, the gatekeeper would recognize and say, you're a true shepherd. These, I know that these sheep are your sheep. You can come grab your sheep and he would let them in. But sometimes at night, under the cover of shadow, sun's gone down, Someone, a figure, would creep up to the fold and 
The gatekeeper was sleeping and he jumped that, jumped that wall where he couldn't be seen. Wouldn't come through the gate. Not through the gate because the gatekeeper wouldn't let him in. So he'd have to find another way into the sheepfold. And he didn't want to be stopped by the gatekeeper. So over the wall he'd go. And Jesus says, that man, the one who doesn't come through the front door, the one who doesn't come through the gate, he's a thief. He's a robber. And you can tell that he's up to no good by the way he approaches the sheep. By the way he comes to the sheepfold tells you whether he's a legitimate shepherd or not. Look at verse 2. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before him and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. See, a true shepherd, Jesus says, comes straight forward. A true shepherd comes through the front door. A true shepherd comes openly. He's not ashamed. He's not afraid to be identified as a shepherd. He comes in a way so that people can see him and identify him and the gatekeeper can say, he's a shepherd. But a, a thief... A, a, a man who's after something for himself, a man who is dangerous to the sheep will always come the secret way, the roundabout way, over the fence. He's a thief, and we're going to see this. He's come to kill. So imagine, just for a moment, you know, you're the thief. <laughs> and you're wanting sheep. But you got to get past that gatekeeper. So you sneak up, under the cover of dark and you, you jump the wall and in front of you are these sheep. One time when I was in Bible school, uh, me and my buddy Al decided that we were going to get some chickens and we were going to let them loose in the dormitory. So we went down into the Matsqui Flats and we went out to a chicken farm and we thought we're going to borrow some chickens and, um, and then we're going to let them loose in the dorms. So, we get onto a farm under the cover of night in the darkness. And I say, okay, Al, you pull back the door and I'll grab a chicken. So he, no, it was the other way around. I pulled the door and Al stuck his head in there. I said, are there any chickens in there? He says, there's thousands of them. <laughs> and so he reached like this to get a chicken. And you know what happened? They start clucking and like 500 chickens get up and boom across and we booked it off the farm and uh, just stupid college stuff. But um, I tell you that because what happens if you jump over the wall into a sheepfold to grab a sheep? How are you going to get that sheep out? You have to grab that sheep. What's it going to do? <laughs> off it goes. And the rest of them too. That's the only defense a sheep has is to run. So to get it out, you're going to have to kill it. You're going to have to injure it. You're going to have to slit its throat and bleed it out so that you can pick it up and toss it over the wall to steal that little sheep. But with the shepherd, there's safety. He comes to the sheepfold and the gatekeeper opens the door and, and there could be inside that sheepfold, maybe there's 
Three, four, five, six shepherds have all led their flocks into that sheepfold for the night. And that shepherd's flock can be in there and intermingled with all of the rest of the sheep for the night. And, and how does that shepherd know which sheep are his own and how, they, how do they, how do they ad- identify their own shepherd? Well, he doesn't have a sheepdog. That's not the culture. But Jesus tells us they know his voice. The sheep know the shepherd's voice. He has a relationship with his sheep. And, and it's better than we understand in, cult, in our culture. You know, it's like, do you have a pet at home? We got our little seven pound Molly. Some of you know Molly. She was sitting on my lap this morning, shaking. I don't know what that, where her anxiety comes from sometimes. I'm like, chill out, man. <laughs> and we tell stories about her, you know. Dad, I make up stupid stories about where the dog came from. We have nicknames for her. My, my kids each have their own nickname for, th- for the dog. And when we call her by her name, she comes. We have like this relationship. She's like, she brings joy to our, our home. Now the shepherd, the shepherd's not raising pets, but he has a personal relationship with each one of these sheep. He calls them by name. Hey, Fluffy. Shorty, you know, whatever. Black ears, stupid. Hey, stupid. There's always one called stupid, right? Because every time he says, hey, stupid, that one comes. He'd call them by name and he would lead them out and they would come every time and they were, they were safe. They were safe because the walls protected them by night and those walls were replaced by a man who led them by day and he was their guardian, He was their protector. He led them to green pasture. He led them to still water. In his presence, they were satisfied and they were safe and they were secure. And there was one test. There was was one test once that shepherd entered the sheepfold that identified him as the shepherd of those sheep and it was this, his voice. Just his voice. They heard his voice and they followed. And I would say this, not not to believe the voice of the shepherd, not to obey that voice or to follow that voice, prove that you didn't belong to him, that you weren't his. See, the sheep follow their shepherd's voice, his voice. Because his voice, his word, his word is life. It brings you close to him. Because where his voice is, that's where he is. And he speaks and there's security and there's safety and there's provision and there's rest. And the lion and the bear and the wolves they're, they're no match for the shepherd. Think of David. Because the shepherd can defend his sheep, but they have to do this. They have to follow his voice. You have to stay near to him. And the sheep are safe because, because of proximity to the shepherd. And notice where the shepherd is. Jesus says that he leads them. He's out front. 
not driving the flock from the rear. He's not chasing them. He's not pushing them. There's no whip. He's leading them. And he leads them from the front, and that is the key to the He's out front, and it's like, follow me. Imagine, think of Jesus with, his, with the 12. Come, follow me. And I, I find this text, like I read this, John chapter 10, and I find it like really comforting. As I was reading it this week and just getting my head and heart into it, I'm like, man, this is like tender and comforting. And I sense the loving presence of my Savior when I, when I read this scripture. I sense his protective care. When I read this about Jesus, I sense that he wants to be in front of me and he's calling me follow. And I'll lead you and I'll protect you. And his leading, that, that's, that's the key to this relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. He's, he's out front, led by his voice. And it's secure. That's what I think. Like as I was reading, I thought, man, I feel safe. I feel secure in the presence of the shepherd and it's relational. You know, when I go to my house, I love going home. Like, don't you love your house? Because you're like, wow, there's like a, there's walls around me and a roof and there's like a sense of security. This is like home. Not that I'm like afraid, but it's like, this is home. It's familiar and it's like my place. And I can rest there and it's like my things are there. And there's this sense of security that comes from the physical structure of the walls and the roof. But then there's another sense of security that I sense in my home. And it's this, that it, and it has nothing to do with the physical structure. It has everything to do with the relationships in that house. It's like me and my kids, my family, and Lisa, my wife. There's like a sense of security because it's like relational. Like I was thinking about this with, with, with Lisa and our marriage relationship. You know, I sense a security with my wife that I don't like derive from any other relationship on earth where I'm like, we're in this. We're friends. We trust one another. We love one another. There's security of relationship. It's interesting. You can have security of structure, a house, physical walls. Or you can have this sense of security from relationship. And the sheepfold is the structure. The shepherd is the relationship. And real security, real true security in your heart is derived not from a structure. It's derived from a relationship. Not from a thing, not from a structure. And structures give security. You know, maybe church is like that for you. Sense of security, being with people who want to talk about Jesus and sing about him and worship together. But the greatest sense of security comes from, from this, from following the shepherd, from having him hear, hearing him call your, your name. The sheep follow him, Jesus says, for they know his voice. Verse five says, a stranger they will not follow. They will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Sheep flee, interesting. Interesting. The stranger creeps into the flock and 
And he'll cause division and the sheep will scatter and they will sense something's not cool here. Something is not kosher with this person claiming to be a shepherd. Out they go. They don't know the voice of strangers. Is that back door open? It is, okay. The air's just not moving. You guys okay? Verse six says this. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. They didn't understand what he was saying. And so Jesus is going to do this. He's going to speak further to bring more clarity. But let me give it away before we get there. And we've already read it. But, but Jesus was speaking about himself. Who he was. In fact, when we talk about Jesus, you know, people often think that the greatest thing Jesus always talked about was love. But what they don't realize is this, is that the primary thing Jesus spoke about and taught about was not love, it was about himself. He always wanted people to understand who he was and what their relationship was to him. That was the primary thing that he was always teaching, that we would know who he is. We'd have clarity about who he is. And so Jesus was identifying himself here. He's saying, I'm your shepherd. I am Israel's shepherd. I'm coming through the front door. There's no, I'm not sneaking over any back wall. I've come to the gate. The gatekeeper has identified me. You're a true shepherd. And now sheep, you can follow me. I'm legit. Look at verse seven. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. Love it. I guess when Jesus told this parable, I just think with regards to understanding sheep and shepherds, they're like, what is he talking about? We know all this stuff about sheep. Like, I I don't know, the crowd there, how many of them were involved in agriculture and raising sheep? Like, a good portion probably of the crowd. Everybody knew this stuff. This is nothing new for, Jesus, for, the, for this crowd that Jesus is saying. So what's, what's he? We know Jesus. We know how a relationship functions between a shepherd and his sheep. So he makes it more personal. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, amen, amen, I say to you, I am the door for the sheep. He's telling this, I'm the one. I'm the one you've been waiting for. People have come. They've claimed to be shepherds. They've claimed to be this. They've claimed to be that. Maybe they've claimed to be the Messiah. They've exploited you. They've exploited your hope. They've exploited the expectant waiting of your heart. And Jesus says none of them were shepherds. They were thieves. They were liars. They were all jumping over the wall, that back wall. They were liars and they were thieves and they didn't come through the door. He says, here's how I can tell you that. I'm the door. I'm the door. And so, you know, it's true today. Many come and they'll claim. Many philosophies, many religions, Many people, many things, possessions, money, 
relationships. They come and they make this claim. I'll lead you to freedom. I'll satisfy you. I'll quench your thirst. I'll satisfy your hunger. I'll give you security. In me, you'll find safety. In me, there's peace. They're thieves. They're robbers. Jesus actually says that they're after your They're after you. They're after your possessions. After power. After position. They'll kill you to get what they want. And Jesus says in verse 9, I am the door. I'm it. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus says this, you enter by me. You enter into the sheepfold by me. And if you enter in by me, you will be saved. And not only will you be saved, you'll be able to go out into, you'll go out through me. You come in through me, you'll go out through me. And when you go out, you're going to find pasture. You're going to find green grass. You'll be satisfied. That's an amazing picture. Jesus is going to talk in a minute here about the abundant life, the full life that he desires to give. You know, if you want to live in Jesus and you want to live and you want to feed Then you come into the sheepfold through Jesus and you go out into pasture through Jesus. You come into the family of God through Jesus. You come into the kingdom of God through Jesus. Into the church through Jesus. But you also go out into this world through Jesus. And Jesus says, when you go out of the sheepfold through me, this is what you will find pasture I love that oh man do you mean in this life there can be abundance there can be satisfaction there can be a sense of my appetites finding contentment I can find rest and purpose and peace and meaning yes Jesus said you go out into this world through me and you will find pasture Instead of chasing your tail and living for the long weekend. I love long weekends. And living for this or that. Unsatisfied and empty and thirsty and dust in your mouth. You look for bits of grass. Searching for pasture and something to eat. Jesus says if you enter into the sheepfold through me you'll be saved. And when you go out through me you'll find pasture. Food, rest, satisfaction, somewhere to lay down. I'm the door. You come in through me and you go out through me. Then he says in verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's a great verse. I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. The, th- the, the thief has come to take your life. He wants to slit your throat. He wants to kill you. He wants to feed on your flesh. Jesus came that we might have life, real life, abundant life, and you come in through him, but part of abundant life is that you go out into this world through him. For a full life, for abundant life, you gotta be out living in the world for Jesus and through Jesus. 
So we come in through Jesus and we go out through Jesus, but, but then Jesus takes this allegory even further and he paints himself twice into the parable. Because he's not just the door for the sheepfold. He says this, he's, I'm also the shepherd. I'm the door and I'm the shepherd. Look at verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now I was reading about this. One of the, one of the Bible commentators that I really love, I encourage you to read, is a guy by the name of John Corson. and he's awesome. And John, John says this about this text. He says, you know, in the church, we love John 10, 10. I've come that they might have life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. He says, we overemphasize that text. And we miss verse 11. Because it's really about verse 11. Verse 11 is the essence of the gospel. Verse 10 tells us that Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly. But verse 11 tells us how far the shepherd is willing to go to make sure that the sheep get that life that he is promising. I mean, how far will he go? If he offers abundance of life, full life, how far will he go to achieve that for his sheep? Well, Jesus says, the good shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. He'll give up himself. He'll lay down his very life for the sheep. Jesus is saying the good shepherd is willing to die. The good shepherd is willing to fight the lion and the bear and the wolves and he'll surrender his own life to save the lives of his sheep. The good shepherd. The, the word good there, it, it doesn't mean good in a moral sense. It means good in and the sense of purity, genuineness, trueness. And, and, and it's speaking about the beauty of the shepherd. That he's attractive. He's the attractive, I am the attractive, beautiful shepherd. Why is Jesus beautiful? What makes Jesus so attractive? Why is he good? Because he's willing to die. That's the amazing thing about Jesus. That's what makes Jesus different from anybody. He's willing to die. Verse 12 says, He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Man, for us in the church, like as a pastor reading that, I just think, oh, that's like a serious warning to me. I go, wow, I don't want to be a hired hand. For those who are like serving people in ministry, maybe you do something around the church or you're involved in something somewhere else, look at, that's a warning. Don't be a hired hand. A hired hand stops because, you know, they go, ah, well, my life's more important than the life of the sheep. Jesus said, no, no. I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. In verse 14, he says, I, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I like this because Jesus describes a good shepherd as, as knowing the sheep and them knowing him. 
it, it's a two-way relationship. I mean, what kind of relationship can you have if it's just one way? You've had those in your life, right? We all have, where maybe you know all about someone else, and then you find out they know nothing about you, and you're like, oh, wow, I kind of thought we were friends, or kind of thought we had a relationship. But what kind of relationship is that? It's not, a, it's not a good one. And so the good shepherd says, the good shepherd knows the sheep, but they also have this duty. Know him. Know him. Learn the voice of the shepherd. Because the desire, the desire to hear the voice of the shepherd identifies you as one of his own. That's important. The desire to hear and follow the voice of the shepherd identifies you as one of his sheep. Proves that you're his. And then Jesus says in verse 16, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice so there will be one flock, one shepherd. Uh, we know this when we're reading this. Obviously, Jesus is speaking to a Jewish audience. He's speaking to the people of Israel. And this is a clear reference to Gentiles. And to me, it's beautiful saying, your future's tied up together, Gentile and Jew. Uh, there's a future for Israel and there's a future for Gentiles because it's in one person, Jesus, the good shepherd. And, and uh, yeah, it's a great, it's, this is important. It affects your attitude towards Jews, towards Israel. Jesus is Jewish. The flock he is speaking to is Jewish. And he's talking about bringing Gentiles in and there being one flock. Verse 17, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up. This charge I received from my father. The shepherd is, the shepherd is willing uh, to die and that willingness comes by his own voluntary choice. He's saying, I make the choice and I'm willing to die. And that's important. Because, you know, often when we talk about Jesus and his death, we say Jesus was put to death. But the truth is nobody could put Jesus to death. They tried. In the Gospels, there are at least five assassination attempts on Jesus. The first one happened in Nazareth. They lay hold of him. They took him to the brow of a hill and they went to throw him off the cliff. And he just walked out of there. The gospel tells us about the other attempts and none of those succeeded. Why? Because Jesus' time had not yet come. He, he did not let them succeed until his time came. And when the, the door for the sheep, the good shepherd would offer himself as the Passover lamb, the lamb of God who, take, who takes away the sins of the world, he did it on his timetable. The fullness of time and that he did. He gave his life for the sheep on a cross, nailed to it. And he died. But what good is a dead shepherd? If the lion and the bear, either or, had killed David, then what happens to David's sheep? The sheep get given to someone else. It's like, okay, well, here's a new shepherd. Your shepherd got killed. Sorry about that. 
Here's a new shepherd for you. And if sin won, and the good shepherd was dead, then the good shepherd's sheep have to be given away. You need another shepherd. But speaking of his life, Jesus said this. He said, I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up. This charge I received from my father. And so Jesus did this. He laid down his life on the cross. We know this. He, he, he died. He was buried. He laid down his life uh, by his own free will. The father gave him the right. He said that the father gave him the authority to lay down his life, but he also gave him the, thor- the authority uh, to take it up again. And that he did. The good shepherd gave up his life and then three days later, buried in a tomb, he was raised from the dead. The resurrection, re, the re, resurrected from the dead. And he's the good shepherd. He's the beautiful shepherd. He's the attractive shepherd because he's alive forever. Never to die again. He'll always be the shepherd of his sheep. His voice is always speaking. And so in all this, Jesus was teaching this crowd this. To those who would hear his voice, he was saying, I'm genuine. I'm true. I'm the real deal. I'm coming through the front door. And you can identify that I am who I say I am. I'm the door and I am the good shepherd. And you can trust me. I want you to trust me. I'm not playing games. You can follow my voice. In me, there is safety and there is security and and there is satisfaction and there is peace and your thirst will be quenched and the appetite of your spirit will be satisfied. In me, there's rest. You can follow me. You can follow me. You know, I've, I've like learned and continue to learn because I'm a stupid sheep. <laughs> I'm the one. Hey, stupid. <laughs> Two of us, what? I've learned that when I put my trust in other things, When I put my trust in other people to save me, to satisfy me, when I put my trust in this or that, I get robbed. Oh, my wallet's empty again. I get disappointed. I get let down. Because the world, as wonderful as God has designed it, is full of thieves, full of wolves. Lions and bears and liars and murderers. And it means this, I have to always evaluate where am I putting my trust? What am I hoping in? Who has, what has the affections of my heart, my, my praise and worship that we gave this morning? Let me ask you that. Where's your trust? In what are you trusting And who are you hoping? And who is your trust? Jesus said, I'm the door. 
I am the good shepherd. And if you put your trust in Jesus, he will do this. Jesus will lead you. He will save you and he will lead you to green pastures. He will lead you to still waters. I want to tell you this morning, this text tells us this. You can look to him and enter through him and be saved. You can go out through him and find rest in this world. You can follow the voice of the good shepherd and have security in your heart and in your mind. And look, I tell you this, the desire to hear and to follow Jesus identifies what the Spirit of God is doing. It's like, you're like, I don't want anything to do with him. It tells you, you're not a sheep. Jesus, I'm desiring to hear your voice. It's telling you, he's identifying with you. He's saying, you're, you're hearing me. Now come, let's go. Follow me. Amazing, verse 19 tells us, I'm gonna crack into this next week. Verse 19 tells us, there was again division among the Jews because of these words. These, these words blow on their minds. There was div- this, ca- this causes division. These words, this is a knife. Like the prophet coming to, to King David. This, this will pierce your heart. It's gonna, it, it cuts. You're a sheep or you're not. There was again division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he is a demon. He's insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who's oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Good shepherd. You hear his voice this morning? I hope you do. I pray you do.